Hi, my name is Igaluluwa Elori, uh, founder of Agnosis Health. Um, you should listen to the InsurTech Business Series. It is the number one insurance and technology business podcast in Africa, doing a great job in moving the conversation around the integration of insurance and tech forward. I look forward to listening with you. Welcome to the InsurTech Business Series podcast. I am Fudumi. And I am Gamola. And together, we host the most exciting podcast on insurance and insurtech-related topics in Africa. Stay tuned. Hi, Giga. Um, this is such an awesome time to have you on our podcast. Finally. Um, after several interactions, discussions, and meetings, um, it's so good to have you here. Um, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm fine, thanks. I'm also very excited to be here, actually. Um, as you know, I'm a big fan of you guys' work. Thank you for inviting me. Excited to be here. You know, excited to be talking to you, to you and you guys. You guys, just just to put it out there that Giga is my Oga at the top. Just, just, just laying it out there so that um, when you meet him, um, I mean, of course, when you meet him, you would realize this by just, you know, speaking to him that this is the boss of my boss. Um, not to <laughs> to pull your legs, but yes, this is my guard top. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. If we don't. We don't work for the same company. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, honestly, it's really good to have you here. And um, I know that we've had, you know, conversations in the past, but um, first off, we'd like to know about you. Who is Giga and um, what do you do? Giga is the recent sort of founder of an healthcare service provider. But but um, shortly before that, I used to be um, the head of strategy execution for AXA Mansad and then before that, I used to be in financial control and performance management in the banking industry in Nigeria. So yeah, um, that that's pretty much it. In terms of what I do specifically, I like to think that you know some of the things that I I would call my strengths are breaking down complexity into smaller topics and then you know moving solutions or conversations forward. Um, so so if I if I could just narrow in on the insurance industry, I think it's such an extremely complex um, com- complex subject area which I which I strangely enough enjoyed working in um, although you know uh, I think it's 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 a lot of it is in the family my mom was in the insurance industry um, my grandfather you know was a big um, insurance person as well um, so so but but at the end of the day it, it's it's really complex I think it's one of the reasons why you know podcasts like like yours are, are really important um, and and I think what I did throughout my you know short stints in the insurance industry I think like four or five years was was to to help as much as possible break down things that look like complex problems um, you know with revenue and profitability and and sort of find ways to improve those things you know in in little ways and I think I also did a fair amount of communication as well uh, communicating performance um, communicating solutions you know communicating problems across groups of stakeholders so you know everything that you would think is strategy person does um, is, is, is sort of what I did um, uh, and I tried to start selling at the end of the day but you know 
well, the jury is still out on that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is actually um, a very, very good, um, you know, should I say transition? How are you able to move from banking industry to insurance and now to else? Um, or did you sort of have like an idea of, okay, when I'm done with this particular sector, I'm going to move into insurance? I know that you talked about, you know, having your mom and your, um, say, grandfather, um, you know, being, you know, big players in the insurance um, space. But did you see yourself transitioning into these three different spaces? Um, so, f- first of all, is that I, I started off, you know, academically with a passion in healthcare. Um, I actually do have two degrees in healthcare, um, not in business or insurance or anything. And although now I, I am taking a degree and MBA in, in business, um, uh, so so I did start off with a huge passion in healthcare. My first job was was banking simply because you know it's Nigeria. Uh, but after I developed a lot of a huge amount of competencies and I think a little bit of reputation, um, I chose to leave the, the banking industry quite f- because I I did not think from my own point of view. And you know, don't get me wrong, banking does move the economic conversation. Bank is important to the economy but I think in terms of touching everyday individuals I I honestly thought that I genuinely thought insurance does more for people um, than banking does um, I will not talk about you know putting down what banking does but I will talk a little bit about what I think insurance achieves I think um, even though it's not talked about well enough and I will make a point of talking about it I think the whole point of insurance is to protect things that matter to people so that they can live their everyday lives without focusing on risks um, whether it's business or individuals um, for an individual you know you have things that matter to you your assets your life your employment anything that matters to you is the job of insurance to to make sure that it protects those things you know your children's education so that you can focus on living your life every day without fear of tomorrow of what could happen to you and and whenever anything happens to any of those things that matter to you whether it's your car your life etc those things that those are the things that need to be protected for life to move on they continue to move on and of course in business you know insurance takes care of business continuity right um a lot of entrepreneurs are trained in the business that they do uh, but not trained to manage risk and you know that's what insurance does it covers the risk that people can continue their business and whether you're a small or big business when risk happens you know which it does tends to do once in a while um your business can continue as if nothing happened you know restoring you back to where you are um, um, so, and I, I really genuinely thought that that was a noble mission. I don't think insurance professionals talk about it enough. But the truth is, at the end of the day, going back to answer your question, um, I believe truly um, that insurance does has the capacity to 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 help people, to protect what people value, and I think insurance professionals should talk about it a lot more. Um, um, and I think even in my evolution to healthcare, by the way, I still participate, as you know, a little bit in the insurance industry um, when I can. You know, in advising people on how best to to do things, especially move towards digitization or again solving the big problems. You know that that that's faced the insurance industry. But I think healthcare is just an extension of 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 that. Um, of my personal mission, which is to deliver value to as many individuals as possible um, through agnosis, 
you know, which we co- sort of call a care on demand service. Uh, and, you know, coincidentally, we're also partnered with quite a few insurance industries. And, you know, I guess we can talk about that later. But I think, in short, moving to healthcare is just an extension of adding value at an individual level, at a level that I can feel. You know, a lot of people are here for the money, but I would like to say I'm here for the smiles, that kind of thing. Um, I- Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adebo Ali Banjo. I'm co-founder, CEO at MyCover.ai, and we are building Africa's digital insurance infrastructure. For the latest news on insurance technology in Africa, keep listening to InsurTech Business Series and stay updated. I mean, we've talked about you actually um, owning Agnesis. Um, a lot of us would like to know so what was the rationale behind, you know, uh, I mean, you mentioned something like that already. I'm having to put smiles on people's faces. But then some of us would like to know when you say smiles, what exactly does Agnosis do and how have they been able to put um, you know, smiles on people's faces? Right. So it's, it's difficult to notice. Um, um, but, you know, healthcare, um, the, the, the healthcare segment does have a serious and, you know, this is not just in Nigeria. It's easy to beat down Nigeria many times, but the healthcare industry does have a serious global resource constraint issue. Um, effectively, the budget or the amount that people contribute towards healthcare, um, um, number one today, does not do a good job of serving the people that require healthcare. Um, and this is when you look at it as a whole, whether in individual out-of-pocket contribution, i.e. from people themselves or from, from the government, you know, perspective or insurance perspective, you know, whatever number of payers there is, there are. There's a huge resource issue. And the resource is, is not just money. In, in fact, it's also people. Um, in a lot of cases, healthcare um, resources, you know, and this is whether doctors... Or, or, or you know, buildings or the like, um, they are not enough for people today. And when you consider that the world's age, again, the irony of this is that all of this is due to because of the improvements in healthcare, specific, particularly the pharmaceutical industry. A, a huge part of the world today is growing older. Um, chronic diseases are becoming more common, and if we have the kind of resource constraints that we have today. Um, I think that it's really difficult to imagine um, the 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 extent of burden that will be on the the, the medical healthcare system in less than ten years or five years. Um, and I think COVID COVID did tend to show some of the weaknesses with healthcare, which, by the way, is one of the reasons why I you know that that, that sort of solidified my mind around going to agnosis, going to set up agnosis, you know, almost full time. So, so there's a lot of burden on the on the on the on the healthcare industry, and that alone is a rationale for for people that are talented or that have skills, whether in financial management, financial planning, project management, all sorts of skills, medical management. That's that's rationale for them to go into industry. Uh, but but a lot of people have gone about it different ways. Many people go about it by building additional beds and buildings. Uh, quite frankly, I don't know that that's enough because you you know for 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 Nigeria's population is growing by about 2% annually. We already have 200 million people. I don't think we could, you know, possibly build as many beds as possible. Um, Some people sort of walk around it by, you know, creating things like HAP, telehealth applications. Um, I think those work in shifting body away from 
homes, you know, hospital buildings, but but not not necessarily shifting bodies away from 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 treatments that still require physical interaction. And so I think it's on that third leg of, you know, the fact that people will still require physical interaction that Agnosis is working on. Um, um, Agnosis is, you know, specifically working with nurses, you know, and a couple of doctors, but mostly nurses, simply because nurses are, are it's easier to train in us. You, you can generate a lot of nurses um, in in two to three years, a lot of registered nurses. So, so Agnosis works with quite a lot of nurses to go deliver healthcare to people at their homes. At this time, we're working on something like an MVP model, you know, experimenting with things like pediatric and geriatric illnesses alone. Um, so pediatric is, is childcare and geriatric is, you know, adult care. Uh, and I think so far it's been a successful um, um, experiment. So again, you, you know, just to summarize, the rationale is that we need to manage resources of healthcare so that it can be sufficient for today and for the future. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, so, even in the in the insurance industry, right? Um, the health insurance space is that the uh, growth area for a lot of um, insurance. Uh, companies at the moment uh again accelerated by uh by covid why do you think that uh it came to 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 this right because i mean we've always had um health um challenges in terms of infrastructure and a lack of you know quality health care and and things like that uh but you know COVID came and he, it almost now seems like, oh, uh, everybody is now awake to it. I mean, did we really have to wait for COVID? So, so no. Um, honestly, COVID-19 had very little to do with the the thoughts that um, there needs to be resource, strong resource management in the healthcare system um, and that agnosis could contribute to it. Um, agnosis, although I, I, you know, I, I sort of mostly became full-time involved recently. Um, Agnosis has been running on the ground, experimenting with or, or asking different questions around how we could help the healthcare system um, for, I think, since 2014. So that's about six years or seven years. So, so Agnosis has been experimenting with, with, you know, finding a way to distribute healthcare and resources more efficiently for in, in a number of years. That said, um, COVID-19 did play a role, uh, quite honestly, with bringing the reality of the situation to a lot of clients because, you know, honestly, till 2020, I don't think we experienced a lot of success, um, you know, or we, we, we weren't able to break through. But again, I think that's the thing about ideas. Some some of them are just the right thing at the wrong times. Uh, but so, so, so what happened in 2020 specifically uh, um, would be that I, I have two kids, uh, a younger kid who did not get vac- who did not get vaccinated for about three months. So she missed a couple of vaccines. Um, and at, at some point, my wife and I thought about it. By the way, we already had nurses at this time in in sort of working in several homes. In fact, we already had an app that people worked with to to request for and meet nurses. Um, but, but specifically for vaccination, which is our top, I should say, top selling and top priority products right now. Um, our own daughter was not vaccinated for a long time, and then it, it came. It, we just realized that hold on, we have a lot of nurses. 
um, can we reach out to all the parents we know and ask them for if they are getting vaccinated? And we realized that like 90% of the parents we knew and, you know, we sort of asked around. We started with a small survey and then the survey grew to about 300 parents and about 90 of them had not vaccinated their children. Um, we asked questions on social media, etc. And then we decided, you know what, why don't we, um, would you pay a fee to get people to come and vaccinate your kids at home? Uh, and yes was the answer for, for, for a lot of them. So so we launched the service. We called it Immunome. It was a different portal. I mean, which shows that it was just an experiment at the time. We didn't think a lot about it. We just thought, let's do our friends and ourselves a favor, get people vaccinated. But what, what then happened is that as people went back to the office, a lot of them still felt the need... And, and somehow we've managed to create, first of all, a more convenient product. And in terms of costs, the, the cost is comparable. And it became even more comparable to a lot of parents because we were able to partner with insurance companies like AXA Mansard um, at the end of the day. And so the cost to a parent to vaccinate, to get us to come vaccinate their child was zero, at least from a um, marginal cost point of view. So they didn't need to drive or do or waste, waste their weekend get, going to the doctor's office to go get their child vaccinated. So I think you just talk with a lot of our parents uh, and, you know, within a year we've grown from those initial, I don't know, 50 adopters to, you know, about a thousand people, you know, and, and so, 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 so it's just been surprising that yes, COVID did accelerate it, but the reason we were able to accelerate during COVID was that we already had all of the resources on ground, but not the specific accelerated product. And I think that emphasizes what I mean by, you know, events will happen that will that will emphasize the burden on the healthcare system, but and the resources have to be available to cope with it. So, so th- that's exactly what happened. Is that you know, even though we didn't plan for this, uh, the resources were on ground to deal with the situation um, because of a burden in the healthcare system. Now you talked about you know um, having to train nurses and then you know they go from door to door to deliver vaccines except for COVID-19 right so um, what what I wanted to find out was was this something that came about as a result of um, the lockdown that you know we faced globally last year that's in 2020 um, or this had always been in the works before COVID-19 because again I can't help but um come to a conclusion that a lot of people began to see how else to provide healthcare services um, after COVID-19, um, after the COVID-19 pandemic. And this was because um, people were on lockdown. They couldn't access the hospital. In fact, the hospital was like dead, dead zone. Um, so was this what actually prompted um, this business model? Um Honestly, um, no, we no, we did not have to wait for COVID. Um, like, like I said, and I think I, I explained quite a lot of it just beforehand. Um, it is glaring that there's a there's going to be um, huge buttons on the healthcare system if we don't find a way to manage our resources. I think for countries like Nigeria, it's it may be a bit worse, um, specifically because. In a, you know, regular countries like the US and, and Canada are, you know,
know, dealing with, with stress on, on their healthcare systems. You know, some countries, if rumors are right or anecdotes are right, are even importing doctors, you know, for, to give you a sort of view on how, you know, the sort of resource constraints on, on the healthcare system. Um, and of course, net net doctors are not coming into Nigeria. You know, you have to, to assume whether you believe that, you know, other countries are importing doctors or not. Um, net net you know, because there's n- there's no net draw in Nigeria to attract doctors, you have to assume that on a net basis, um, there's an there's a net exit of doctors in of of medical services, medical service providers in Nigeria. Um, I think this is obvious to many people. Uh, a lot of people are actually trying to to solve those problems. Uh, maybe not the right people, but in, a lot of people are trying to solve those problems. Um, you know, if you if you look at the healthcare spend in Nigeria, at least. Last Last data I had, um, I, I think it's something like seventy-seven dollars per person, which is extremely low by by global standards, and a lot of it even goes into recurring costs like salaries and infrastructure. So maybe very very little gets to the average Nigerian in in terms of healthcare spending, and so and so so we both from a monetary and from a resource perspective, you know, um, the healthcare system is not working. The fact that it's not, it has not broken. You know, in a visible way, honestly, is credit to the expertise of the people that are currently working in the healthcare system. Um, but you know, with a growing population, with the aging population, um, we we need to work out how to manage healthcare in future. Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health, where we're working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways, microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on InsurTech Business Series where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. Mm, right. Uh, so so what, what role do you think... Uh, um, innovation in especially in the health insurance space can do for helping us to do better in terms of uh, providing quality health care for for nigerians thanks i think that's a great question because you know health insurance companies do have a big role to play because of their current presence uh first of all um you know, let me talk about the most obvious is that, you know, I think up to a million Nigerians are currently insured, um, or at least a million. Um, insurance companies have the data um, and they, all, they have the data about both the patients and the hospitals um, to, to, to create, to, to understand trends and prepare for the future than any other person. So you can't prepare for the future if you don't have data, right? Um, insurance companies have data um, that is that they aggregate every day about healthcare because, you know, they have to pay these claims. So naturally, they have to have the data um, um, such that they can, they can more than most other people, they have that data in a structured way so that, in, that most other people, they are able to prepare for the future. And I think that's such an important point um, in, in terms of what they can do. With respect to innovation, I think in the limited scope of people that they, they ensure, um, they can start to emphasize uh, important behavioral changes like prevention over cure. Uh, the healthcare system currently is incentivized to manage disease rather than to prevent disease. I think the healthcare, health insurance 
um, industry can can participate in just making sure that um, with things like uh, monitoring apps, um, rewarding people for living 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 better lives, you know, through you know health care, health watches, health bands, health drinks, things like that, things that are innovative, you know, you know, imagine if an insurance company had an app on his phone that rewarded how many steps you took a day with you know maybe a discount on your premium, a slight reward or something like that. Insurance insurance can play a part in incentivizing behavioral change towards prevention. I guess everybody that you you take away from the healthcare system in the next 10 years is, you know, a benefit is a way of managing it. And of course, you know, in a more sort of financial policy driven way, I think it's difficult to talk about policy in Nigeria, quite frankly, but insurance insurance players will, will play a big role and they need to start thinking about it now, I guess, um, if if Nigeria ever, ever gets we are a poor, poor population, mostly. Uh, if we ever get to a stage of, you know, having something like universal health care, uh, so, you know, changing from ma- many payers to like an... Uh, a government insured system. Um, insurance companies are going to have to think about from an innovation perspective how how do I how how to manage that volume of 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 patients, um, how to use innovation to track things like utilization. Right now, um, when, when insurance when when you you, you know, I, I think just even going to an hospital, even as an HMO person, you still get to queue and things like that. Um, if you multiply that load times hundred um, how would insur- insurance companies need innovation to 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 manage things like utilization? I.e., who goes to use our products in which hospital? Is that hospital? Is that hospital good good enough? It is. So ultimately, it's you know insurance can leverage its data in many ways. First, for prevention, uh, but secondly, to 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 improve the efficiency of of treatment. So finding the best hospitals for for the right people, and then you know giving feedback to to, to clients around treating um, before they need to go to the hospitals. Okay, so I know that we've talked about, you know, um, innovation in the insurance space, but um, then again, we, we've of, often wondered, um, I mean, you talked about having um, tracker, for instance, um, you know, fitness bands, and, you know, this is somewhat like um, for lifestyle um, and then we've often heard a lot of people say that it's important to embed insurance in lifestyle. In fact, um, our recent podcast um, interview um, talked about you know how a lot of people can embed insurance um, into people's um, lifestyle. For instance, um, it, it talked about um, you know having insurance on toothbrush. How exactly do you think that we can? achieve some of these things in Nigeria because again this is the pain point and I, I would always say that we've said that the insurance industries are the insurance industry is growing in Nigeria but we're not seeing it translate to numbers. We're we're seeing premium, we're seeing people aware of it, but the awareness is not translating to monies. So what do you think um, we can do further to find a way to um, achieve that? So First of all, thanks for the great job you you do. I think that one of the first ways that we can make insurance a bigger part of people's lives is to talk about it a lot more. Um, insurance companies need to spend a bit of money, or you know, at least their resources on on talking to people a lot more about the, the benefits, what they do. Uh, I don't think insurance 
promotes its benefits enough. Uh, but I know insurance is, is useful. Business people that have had shops burnt in fire and been restored within weeks, no insurance has been beneficial. But do, do, does the general population know this? I think even in, in you know, we, we need to, to, to incorporate ourselves into to the everyday psyche of people's lives. I know a lot of people have proposed including insurance in, in, in curriculums at schools, etc. But, you know, my argument against that would be that a service like banking um, is essential, it's not included in curriculums, but most people understand what banking is about. Um, uh, and I think that goes to, to, to what I would think that the biggest thing insurance can do is to, to, to protect, to find ways to protect the things that really matter to people. My view is that there's a global adoption of international products and insurance. I think, and, and we're tending more towards global. I tend to disagree with that approach because I think that insurance should be a lot more localized than globalized. So if you if you get what, let me, let me try and explain what I mean. Um, I, I was having a conversation about insurance recently. I like the idea of a toothbrush, but I think for me, that's an example of inter- internationalization rather than localization of insurance because um, um, do, does it really matter to people? Is my, so so, so I, I talked recently about how do you convince a bricklayer or someone that runs a, a block factory to insure um, when you are going to, you are, the only thing you are going to do is to ensure, in most cases, they ensure this, the theft of his material, of his goods, rather than the damage. Nobody's going to steal that cement block. It's of little value to anybody. They are not going to resell it or anything. I think they even created themselves. I don't really know how it even comes by. But the question for me to the insurance person you know, in, in sort of the committee was, if you, if you think about, so, you know, someone that does block or a tailor that you want, you want her to insure her machines. If you are covering her for theft, fire, etc., all those insurances exist, but you are not covering her for damage of her machine. How does she feel that insurance is useful when the most the most likely risk to happen to her is that a machine gets damaged, not stolen or burnt. Do you get? Do you get? Do you, I don't know if you get what I mean. Yes, I do. Maybe that's an overgeneralization. Maybe some of those services exist, but but my point would ultimately be that we need to localize what to insure. Insurance needs to be very very relevant to the risks that people cover that people care about rather than risks that are global and that people just do um, uh, because they want to. So I myself, for example, I care about three things. Three things are most important in my life that I think are going to cause the most damage in my life because it's important for my children to go to school. You know, they're not going to die, you know, if, if, if I die or something, but, you know, they'll miss me a little bit. Um, but generally speaking, they are fine. And I guess... In, that's one of even the needs of insurance. My my car and my home, because you know my house is on borrowed money. I'm paying the money back. It's easy. So 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 if I think of three things to insure, I feel like you know, this house must not get burnt because otherwise I'll be paying BC in a house that I'm not living. And, and so, so 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 I insure my house. I insure my my life, um, and I insure my car. Honestly, car insurance is compulsory, and sometimes, you know, when I don't have enough money, I'm very comfortable to do third party because I feel like, well, if my car gets damaged, honestly, it's important, but it's not the most 
high priority thing to me. And this is me as a Nigerian, but as a Nigerian who wins a limited amount of money and spends millions on school fees for two children. So sometimes I just might not have money to renew my insurance, at least immediately. Um, but if, if, you, if you introduce the toothbrush product to me, I, I, w- I would say, oh, that's a very nice product. It works in Slovakia. I would like laugh. I would say, oh, that's very nice. And I will probably move on. You know, and I think that, that's just what happens with a lot of people having products. And when you go to someone's shop and you say, okay, what are you covering? Oh, you're not covering damage. But the most likely thing to happen to me is damage. Then, then that's all. Uh, I'm not going to buy the product because you're insuring things that are unlikely to happen. So insurance has to be about risks that are likely to happen, uh, even rare, but likely to happen. Um, and insurance companies have to do a better better job of, of that. I think people also need to have an awareness of, of of insurance. You know, I was I was just talking today about the fact that if something happens to me, my kids are going to be fine because you know I'm from a middle class family. My wife is fine. My you know family members are fine. You know, my children will still I think go to school. First of all, I'm even insured. Um, they'll still go to school. Um, but but then someone who comes from a home where there is one working person, um, the death of a working person in that family is going to have more impact than than me with a two working person family. But if you look at it, the people that need insurance most, like the p- families where one person is working and maybe they all depend on one machine, they will say, oh, I don't have enough money, therefore I am not insuring. Meanwhile, those kinds of people are the people most likely to be affected by the damage of one asset and therefore, by definition, they are the ones that need insurance the most. And so I don't think insurance, you know, we're, we're passing that message. I think we're, we're passing ourselves off as a product for rich people or people that have money. We see ourselves as product that, oh, when people have money, they do insurance. But I absolutely disagree with that premise. I think poor people, people who rely on, on assets, businesses that rely on one asset are the ones that need insurance the most. Um, you know, during during NSAS, a lot of buildings were burnt when when the the protest was hijacked by by you know on, on you know really elements and it stopped being a post protest about social justice. Um, I, I don't think this is about the the protest or what I think about it. But the point is that buildings were burnt, uh, buildings of banks were burnt, but at the same time, buildings of some companies, small businesses that had literally only one building was burnt. You know, you may see banks doing insurance more and you say, oh, the banks are doing insurance, of course, because they have money. But when stuff happens, it is people that don't have money that gets most impacted. Because the GT Bank building burning, no matter how beautiful it is, you know, GT Bank thinks it is what it is, we'll build it again, even without insurance, of which they have the insurance. But if the, the you know, the Lego, the building of a Lego firm that has worked hard for years and built one building, if it gets burnt, that's all for a company that has been built over years. But companies like that claim that, look, I don't have money, I'm not GT Bank. But it's exactly because you are not GT Bank that you should be doing insurance. <laughs> yeah, I, I, agree with, I agree with you. And uh, me, this, this just leads me to... Um, a trend that we have seen. Uh, I mean, this is, these are conversations that we have had, uh, but then it's something that we are seeing across Africa, right? Um, talking about uh, emerging customers and, and creating products for the emerging markets. Um, and this emerging market is not necessarily 
Africa, right? Uh, I mean, so, something that uh, people is a misconception that you say when you hear emerging markets, you say Africa or you say Asia. Uh, emerging markets could be the gig economy. Uh, emerging markets could be, you know, sectors that are not uh, so friendly with insurance, who have not engaged with insurance prior to them. But, you know, but in terms of, of creating products or engaging with these uh, um, industries, like you gave examples of you know, the tailors, I just have a, sh- a, a shop and uh, one machine. If that machine stops working for three hours, it means that I'm losing money because I can't fulfill my customers' demand. If new people come in, they see that I, I can't work. I don't get new business. So, um, from 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 uh, from a strategy point of view, I know that you have some experience in in that in that space. Uh, how do you think that insurers in in Nigeria uh, specifically now should be looking at some of these markets? Uh, and, you know, I, we have seen a number of insurance companies, you know, trying to do some things. You know, I've seen news in the media. Oh, we are doing this. We are trying to do this. Well, I mean, we are not yet seeing the impact, but maybe maybe they are still in the works. It's still early days. Or, but for the industry now who, who are, are listening, how should we be going about this? Well, I mean, I'd like to believe that sort of a, a you know I don't know if it's the same thing as banking but I think that you know banking in Nigeria presents you know a similar model that that can be imitated which is that um, I feel that a great way to first of all that that two approaches to take and you know um, it's it's either um, insurance companies become a lot more flexible leveraging things like innovation um, you know become more like startups so to speak and go down to these people it's going to cost a lot of money um, but they are going to need to change their business models um, so 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 you know meaning that's a, a complete transformation of the insurance industry and I think there's a second alternative which is that insurance companies start to see themselves more as backbones um of insuring or protecting assets in in Nigeria what what do i mean by this i think that a great way that the insurance industry could pass their message on to many more people is to strengthen their own infrastructure and let a lot of the other businesses that are that are already well integrated into the economy into into the emerging markets like you say um let them do the job of carrying the message of insurance while insurance companies are there as the backbone so my, my favorite you know for example something like Baba Jebu or you know betting companies are already well integrated into the economy I know Nigerians don't like to hear betting you know but, 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 but the truth is that there's a betting shop in almost every village you go to in Nigeria Meaning that's a financially literate almost every person. street. Yeah, financially literate person on almost every street. There's a shop. There's a small shop. There's a mobile phone in almost every place in Nigeria. Um, insurance companies may not have the flexibility to become tech companies, um, i.e., to become platforms. Um, so, 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 I guess what I was saying earlier is that insurance companies can choose to either become platforms or infrastructures. Platforms are expensive and notori- notoriously time taking. Um, infrastructure simply means that a company investing in its coin infrastructure and decides that you know what i will support as many people as possible to achieve you know to to to, to achieve to, to to bring insurance to people rather than me deciding that i want to hold all the avenues for for insurance 
by almost by self proliferating i think insurance companies need to proliferate through others rather than by themselves um they need to work with startups like the banking industries they need to not just work with startups actually encourage and possibly even own startups um, um i i don't think startups like piggy vest like flutterwave like paystack the big startups today that are adept at payments um i don't think they would be alive as valuable as those companies now are uh, some of them more valuable than all banks in Nigeria, you know, without the support of banks as an infrastructure, without the support of a NIBS. And I think insurance needs to take a cue from that and do something similar to encourage the development of companies that can carry message forward. So what all those companies have done for banking is that they have taken the pressure of payments. You know, payments used to be a big deal in, in, in Nigeria. Um, you wanted to pay for something, you had to drop bank drafts, then send a photocopy of the bank draft, then it could become a fraud. It, you know, Nigerians, we, we tend to underestimate how much we don't think about paying for something again because you can do star seven something seven, you know, or or just pay by your app or something like that. Um, those companies solve the payment problem. You know, some of them are starting to solve the p- savings problem. Very soon, banks will just be at the back, you know, housing accounts, you know, and, and giving loans, which is what they really should be doing to, 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 to develop a, a, an economy. I think insurance companies need to do the same. Partner with as many people as possible. If those partnership or companies don't exist, insurance companies need to create them. And I, and I think this is, you know, something that you and I, you guys and I have been trying to work on for a bit. We need to create these companies to carry the message forward. You know, to create companies that can build apps or existing companies that can build apps um, that people can reach. And I think the most important reason for that is that we don't need to reinvent a distribution channel, which we seem to be trying to do, because distribution channels already exist. We need to integrate a lot more, though, into things that already exist. I agree that it's an alternative. We can't spend money improving these distribution channels, but I think, quite frankly, that we are not flexible enough for that. Um, and, And what we should be doing is to be strengthening our data infrastructure so that other people can build on our backs to reach the entire um, um, economy and emerging markets, as you as you say. A lot of things that you mentioned uh, really points towards uh, you know partnerships. And uh, again, this is not something that the insurance industry has been very keen on. Uh, the only sort of partnership that I would say, I, I, maybe I can term it as partnership. Uh, I don't know, uh, would be with uh, brokers, right? But then that's, that's those are traditional channels, you know, of, of distributing uh, insurance, right? But in terms of of the future that we are going into, uh, uh, right? We are looking at more of you know digital partnerships. You know, you mentioned some of these companies that you, earlier. Uh, these are digital platforms that people engage on, and there's need for insurance companies to begin to look towards that that space, right? Uh, but from from the insure tech point of view, right? One of the arguments that the insurers would put forth is that, hey, we are the ones that know the insurance, right? Uh, you guys are just coming in and, you know, some of the things that, we, that I've read, right, is, you know, when some of these companies come to insurance companies and, hey, let's work together, you know, they just bamboozle them with, you know, all of these tech things, tech things and stuff like that. But then the insurance company doesn't get the gist <laughs> of, of what exactly is <laughs> being, being talked about, right? Maybe it's because of the nature of the insurance company of how they've always operated, but... 
insurtechs or tech platforms who want to work with insurers, who want to embed insurance on their platform, what should they be doing in order to get uh, insurers who are ready to work with them? Sure. So, so um, I think, in, in, you know, it, it's both ways, right? Um, I think, first of all, that I, I feel like insurance companies have a lot more to do than insurtechs have to do. You know, first to clarify, um, because there are probably just not enough insurtechs focused on insurance. So, in, insurance companies but what do insurtechs have to do? I, I think that's a great question. I feel, and I've been in many meetings with insurtechs, there are a few categories that I classify them into. I feel, first of all, that many insurtechs that I speak to speak with a lot of arrogance when they, when they engage insurance players. And sometimes maybe it's mental arrogance, but, but the problem with that, and I don't know if it's arrogance, mm-hmm. um, but when I say arrogance, I don't mean like, you know, traditional arrogance. I mean, they speak assuming that they know everything there is to know. Assuming that this is an industry that is quite like banking. And therefore, they come and speak from a place of knowledge. Whereas to the people they are speaking to, it is extremely clear that they have no idea what they are talking about. Especially as relates to the insurance company. Um, If I could give a, you know, example, I have been in several conversations about startups wanting to distribute pure insurance products and at a basic level i would say 80 percent of the people that come to make pitches like this around oh let's put your sales on our rptc are not even aware that to sell insurance in nigeria you need some form of certification from nikon or from the insurance education sort of academy now, you may say that, well, it's too stringent from the Insurance Education Academy, right? Um, should they put, should they demand such such a level of stringency for someone to be an insurance agent? You know, anybody can refer, but I mean to be an insurance agent. And, you know, there's some activities that you perform where you sort of are an agent because you talk about it, you sell the insurance to people, and you have to convince people to buy. Um, but I've seen a lot of tech startups pitch agency-type products absolutely unconcerned about the fact that such a partnership is completely impossible for an insurance company because you have to abide by Nikon rules. And my own perspective on that is that, you know, sometimes that's a basic. It's a problem insurance companies have to solve, the insurance commission has to solve. But the fact is, it is a fact and it is something that someone that wants to play in the insurance ecosystem should know. There are many other things. You know, um, people want to walk around claims but understand nothing about loss ratios or utilization ratios. And it just feels like, well, if you want to work in this field, at least do some research. Yes. Tell me about what you think in terms of utilization before you have this conversation. Some of these things are literally basics of an insurance person that a lot of these founders come to talk about and don't mention. And you give off the impression that you don't know what you are saying. So, I think insurtechs need to reduce their level of arrogance. Arrogance meaning what you assume you know. Learn more about the field. Do a lot more research about the field that you want to work in. 
and therefore come from a place of true knowledge, not a lot of assumptions that something can happen. You need to have some fundamentals in place for you to come and, and speak in such a technical industry. And I think even when partnerships have, have been signed and they've been successful, that is why some of these startups have not been successful themselves because they then eat roadblocks in terms of, so they've created the app, they've created the partnership, you've created the API, but you can't launch because regulation or something like that can't make you launch. You don't have the actual, you know, pricing. Almost know nothing about insurance. You focused throughout on the app. So, so I would say this insurtech founders need to, to, to think a lot more about the product that they're selling and their customer segments. Just like in any other product, you can't just build a product in your mind. You have to build with your customer in mind and the restrictions of your customers. Um, but, but like I said at the beginning, insurance companies probably have a lot more to do in educating techpreneurs, entrepreneurs about their industry such that these people can have a higher level of knowledge when coming to speak with you. If we never educate people, then there is no way they will get the information from. If we are never open to talking to people about our industry, they wouldn't have that information. We need to be open about the boundaries and the structure and the challenges of our industry. Absolutely open so that when people come to build, they are very well aware of the constraints. I think insurance companies should also be thinking about things like sandboxes that allow founders to build under existing constrictions before they go into full product mode, right? But, but you know, like I said, it's both sides. I think founders do have a lot in terms of research of the product that they are thinking of building. But I think that insurance companies can do a lot in moving that conversation forward. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, in, my, in, my, in my mind, you know, I'm just thinking about um, the role that, you know, yes, insurance companies have a role to play, uh, like you said, but what about um, the regulator and, you know, the, the trade bodies, right, within the industry? Maybe it's uh, NIA, maybe it's the NCRIB, maybe it's Arian, you know, Arian for agents, NCRIB for brokers, NIA for uh, the insurers, right? Uh, you know, what role do you think these guys can also play? I mean, you talked about, you know, sandboxes, you know, floated the idea around, you know, accelerator programs. Is there a way, a role that, you know, some of these bodies can 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 because I mean, some of these things we definitely need uh, infrastructure, right? Uh, there's a lot. There's a need, uh, you know. Rashidat, uh, you know, in, in one of our in our previous uh, episode, you know, talked about um, prioritizing cooperation instead of competition, right? Yeah, collaborating more uh, within the industry. Where, where do you where do you think that those guys uh, come in in all of this? I think that you know, Rashidat is always right. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 um, I, I totally agree with Rashidat. I, I, I feel like, um, the nature of the, what, what regulators, what people like NCRB as here, um, NICOM should be doing is encouraging, comp- um, sorry, cooperation within, within the insurance I- industry. Um, the nature of insurance in Nigeria is such that there's no different differentiation and therefore strategically everybody's in a price competition, you know, whether price or not. Everybody's in deep competition with with each other. Um, um, There is no industry incentive 
to collaborate in insurance. Um, in fact, my understanding of strategy right now, you know, game theory and all that, is that if you try to collaborate with with someone else in the Nigerian industry, there is a higher likelihood that they will undercut you for them to make more profits. So, so if you if you imagine, you know, two, two, two companies who agree that you know what we are the only companies here, let's let's charge hundred naira. Um, um, but then the, the other companies decide that you know what the company is going to charge hundred naira. Let's charge fifteen naira so that we we'll get all the customers. I think you know there is more incentive right now in the insurance industry basically to undercut prices and go to the minimum and to to go against the spirit of collaboration simply because there's no differentiation in the product and therefore people are strategically making decisions that that optimizes profits for them the most rather than for the for the industry and that makes sense from a strategic perspective and from a competitive perspective there's no incentive to collaborate in the in Nigerian insurance industry when I think about it bodies that you've mentioned can can enforce collaboration by building things like infrastructure, uh, focusing not just on insurance policies, but on things like data and um, risk management policies within insurance companies, uh, demanding transformation, um, being more transparent transparent about data. I I I had a work stint in Colombia. Uh, and and I was very very impressed by the amount of data that is publicly available by the super financier, which is the supervisor for financial companies, where all the daily transactions of insurance companies are open publicly, such that people from outside are able to build apps for the insurance industry without necessarily partnering with the insurance industry because you have the data, you know what is happening, you know where to build, you know the number of accidents that are happening. I think that's a way that a supervisor can enforce competition by releasing things like data, by creating things like infrastructure, by releasing APIs for industry, such that even if companies are not going to are going to continue competing with one another, there is infrastructure for third party R and D to continue doing work that will ultimately benefit the industry. So, so I think those comp- those, those those associations, those bodies, those regulators have a role to play in minimizing the competitive nature of the industry such that external people that are not a part of competition but that, that are armed by the competition um, that is going on. You know when elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. Uh, and I think that's what is going on in the insurance industry. Um, b- but I think regulators can create a space, a safe space for innovators to build for the insurance industry by enforcing some form of collaboration, whether it's data, infrastructure, accelerators, whatever, human resource, training and things like that. Um, those people have to reduce the barriers to entry for people, for innovators to come into the industry. And, and you know, some of it is investing because, you know, we know that when there's profits, people will come in, right? So, so, so you know, those people have the capacity to lower barriers to entry for innovators to, 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 to come in. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, for me. Before we let you go, we always have a particular ritual and that's for you to um, tell our audience how they can reach you. Especially if they're looking to partner with your company, and that's Agnesis. I mean, this is one viable business model that um, um, people might be looking out to, um, you know, collaborate or partner with. So, how do they reach out to you? Um, apart from that, you know, you've done a lot of strategy, and so um, for people that are looking to pay you for, you know, that um, strategic mindset, how would they be able to contact you? 
I think the last part is most important. People that want to pay. Um, <laughs> no, no. The truth is, actually, in truth, I'm always open to to having conversations around the insurance industry. Like I said, it's insurance conversations around insurance have been in my family since since I was a baby. I mean, my mom used to teach in the insurance academy when I was young, and and you know, I used to go with her. I would just sit in class while she was teaching other people. So, um, so so anyway, to to, to the question, um, um, so so my email address is giga at agnosishealth.com um, pretty simple G-I-G-A at agnosishealth.com agnosishealth is A-G-N-O-S-Y-S and health.com together and my LinkedIn is Ilorigi Galolua uh, which is which is my name um, you know so I'm pretty easy to find there is not a lot of Gigaloluas in the world for now uh, yeah, yeah, man, it's been it's been an amazing time speaking with you. Uh, really did enjoy um, the conversation and in depth um, knowledge that you shared. You know, the data and I mean, it, it, it does show that you uh, you know your onions. And uh, we thank you for sharing that with us and helping us to see the industry as uh, you know in a different light and seeing that there are opportunities for for growth and improvement. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure um, speaking with you. Um, obviously, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to, to be on the podcast. I've listened to most of it. I really do like the job that you guys are doing. And well done to you guys. Thank you for having me. Hi, and I hope you did enjoy that conversation. Quite interesting one. Do ensure that you continue to listen to our podcast and share as well with your colleagues and friends uh, future episodes and even previous ones on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, on every platform that you get your podcasts. Right. And also don't forget to join the conversation on all of our social media platforms. You might have comments, reviews, as well as questions. Please do share on our LinkedIn page, on our Twitter page, as well as remember to follow us.